Hey, and welcome back to Chirpin' Yotes Podcast. This is your sub-series of the podcast. This is Yotes Bites. Uh, I am joined tonight here. My name is Haynes Evans, as you all know me. Joined with our lovely co-host on the show as well, Grandy. Grandy, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. So, uh, Tyler and Chase weren't able to join us because we traded them to a different podcast but forgot to check their no-trade clauses before we did. They will be on the next one, but it's a sticky situation all around. Yes, it definitely is. I think uh, I think the other podcast actually might be doing jersey retirement. They might hang a banner for them for you know for for just a thank you for everything they did for them. There's and you know in that short time, so uh, definitely exciting times there. We're happy to be getting them back, and you know we welcome them here and all that. But uh, all jokes aside, all fun aside, we are here to discuss. Trade deadline recap. As you know, the trade deadline came and went on Monday. Uh, the Coyotes, a team that originally was thought to be probably one of the biggest movers during the offseason or during the trade deadline, actually ended up being one of the more minor and smallest moving teams of the trade deadline. They made a total of five moves of the trade deadline. Uh, the first one was the shocker that people did not see coming in Scott Wedgwood being traded to the Dallas Stars for a 2023 conditional fourth-round pick. That was a shocking one for fans as it was reported by Craig Morgan and Jose Romero that uh, Scott Wedgwood was actually in talks with an extension with the Coyotes. So to see him get moved was kind of a weird one. Um, another one that we're not really going to hit on here, uh, well, two more we're not really going to hit on here that were, you know, ones that, Everybody kind of saw coming. Riley Nash went back to the Tampa Bay Lightning for future considerations. Uh, if you had asked me when we picked him off waivers that that was going to happen, I would have told you right there in the moment. It was 100% he was going to go back. Uh, Tampa wanted him, and when they lost him, they were also going to come back and get him. So he was one of those guys that um, was moved. And then the final one was Johan Larson was dealt to the Washington Capitals for a 2023 third-round pick. Um but besides that, we had a uh, we had some we had some news here. We had a couple two moves that were coming big, and we had a we had a player claim off waivers from the Toronto Maple Leafs, a guy who they actually had signed and had to immediately put on waivers to clear waivers, a guy that uh, they were very excited about bringing to Toronto, and the guys just came and took him right off the uh, right off there. It's uh, Harry uh, Satiri, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Yeah, gold medal winner with Finland in the Olympics. He's a goaltender. Um, the Canadians are the Maple Leafs signed him. Coyotes claimed him straight off waivers. Another goalie, Karel Vamelka, signed a three-year contract extension with the Coyotes. He will be the goalie running for the future. But, Granny, let's get into the two biggest trades in terms of better positioning the team for the future and what they got returned. And the first one we're going to talk about, we'll save the last one, the biggest one, in my opinion, for last year. Um, the Coyotes acquired Brian Little, aging Brian Little. We knew they were going to take some contracts back. Aging Brian Little and they also acquired uh, Minnesota, not Duluth, it's... Um, Minnesota oh, State. There you go, Minnesota State Mavericks forward Nathan Smith um, in return for a 2022 fourth-round pick. So, Granny, I'm going to let you get into here. What do you think of the Nathan Smith-Brian Little trade? Honestly, I'm more excited about Nathan Smith than I am for our other big trade we made. Mm -hmm. I think he is one hell of a prospect. I think he has a really good shot at being our second-line center of the future if uh, Hayton doesn't run with it here in the next couple weeks. Um, I think he's got some offensive potential, maybe like a 50- to 60-point guy, but mm -hmm. 
has a really strong two-way game at the center position, which is something we really need and will be huge. If he can be that second or third line center, that's huge out of it. He's not as big as our other one, but he plays a big style. You'll notice him out there. But his offensive instincts just leap off the page, and he's improved every single year, and that's something you want to see is the year-to-year progression. It's not like he took a big leap his last year in college, which is usually a red flag. No, he's had year-to-year progression. And I saw something tweeted out today from Minnesota State that he is only the fourth Maverick since they moved to Division One play to hit 50 points in a season, wow. which is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. So I am really excited for this kid. I can't wait. Now, it's not a guarantee he signs. And if he does, we gain back a fourth-round pick that we traded away. So it's essentially a risk-free trade just taking on Brian Little. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't imagine he doesn't sign with us making that trade. There's got to be some form of communication there. I can't believe we would take Brian Little's contract on without knowing that, hey, this kid will sign. He will come here um, and all of that. So, But, uh, yeah, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, you know, you, you kind of said everything there. You know, um, stats are the biggest thing here, honestly. And, you know, he has, like you said, Grandy has progressed every year. You know, his freshman year, he had nine goals, 18 assists uh, for 27 points in 35 games, which isn't a terrible number. Uh, he followed it up the next season with nine goals, 16 assists for 25 points in 28 games. So he was just an average there, producing very well. And this year, like you said, he's really had that next step in his game. He's really bro- broke broken out this year, uh, this season, and he's got 18 goals, 31 assists, 49 points in 35 games this year, but he also adds a whopping 41 penalty minutes this season in 35 games. He is a big, physical kid. He is not the kind of kid that is going to get bumped around. He is He's huge. He knows how to play the puck. He's 6'1", 190. He's perfect for his frame. He's smart, and like you said, he's learning the game. You know, he's growing. He played for the U.S. of the Olympics this year in the Winter Olympic Games. He played, you know, four games for the team. He had a goal and assist for two points. He's got a lot of upside. He's on the uh, right swing right now for the Coyotes. And like you said, I don't think the Coyotes would have made this move for Brian Little if they were to have known that this kid wouldn't sign Arizona. I think that he is probably definitely intrigued by the opportunity of playing here just because he knows what the team states next year is that he could get some serious ice time if he comes – and, you know, signs with a contract with Arizona. So I think it's a it's a great move. He's an exciting player. He's one that you want to watch. But, um, yeah, let's, let's go. I also Boston. do want to point out real yeah, quick, Yeah, go ahead. Too. Go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. But I do want to point out real quick, too, that he is another kid from a non-traditional market. He's from Florida. So maybe that holds some appeal for him to go and play in another non-traditional market. Um, That's always a possibility. I'm not saying I know anything about that. I'm just – conjunction uh just throwing that out there but yeah it's always nice to see a kid from one of the floridas or the arizonas or the texas make the league it always warms my heart so no but, exactly uh, yeah. you know what are you gonna say there oh no i said i was gonna tell you to take carry on yeah no thank you for adding that in there you know it's that is a big thing to throw out there that he is is from a i wouldn't really say non-traditional hockey market i feel like a lot of the uh, U.S. honestly has grown into big hockey markets. There's also some areas that aren't. Florida is definitely with the 
Panthers and Tampa Lightning have, you know, have turned into a hockey state. Jacob Chikrin is from Florida. Um, Arizona is also that way. As much as people don't think it, Arizona has turned into a hockey market. But, um, yes, they're definitely non-traditional in terms of, say, like, honestly, you know, Massachusetts or, you know, like, say, going out west of California or, you know, Minnesota or Michigan or, you know, all those areas, you know, in, in – you know, they're non-traditional, but they're definitely not non-hockey markets. And, you know, it's good to see these guys come from these areas. And, you know, hopefully he does, like you said, Granny views this as an opportunity to, you know, play in a small-town market. And, you know, maybe that touches home to him because he grew up in a small-town market. So um, going forward here, let's go to the other side. And um, I actually think this is actually the biggest trade for the Coyotes just because of the interest this kid was generating. And I actually just wrote an article about him yesterday. It just dropped. Y'all can check that out. It is Jack McBain from the Minnesota Wild. We traded him for a, uh, we traded for him for a 2022 second round pick to the Minnesota Wild. Jack McBain has a lot of upside to bring to his game. He, um, this season has had some steady crease in his numbers, just like Nathan Smith. He had 13 points his freshman year in 35 games for Boston College. He had followed that up with 21 and 34 his sophomore year, 19 and 24 in his junior year. And this year he's having a nice season with 33 points and 24 goals. And, you know, the funny coincidence I'm noting here is Nathan Smith in his first two years, nine goals. And this year he's got 18. He he added those two numbers together from his previous two seasons to equate for 18. And this year with Jack McBain, he went six, six, and six goals all first three years. This year he's got 19. He's already almost getting close to it. He's also not going to triple those numbers. He is injured. He is not playing in the season. He is waiting to get healthy to come back to play with the Coyotes this year. But he's another one of those guys that, you know, has found his groove lately. And, you know, he's an exciting prospect of Winnipeg, Montreal, Arizona, all teams that were in on this kid. A lot of people were really calling about him. He's a big body kid for a center. He's 6'4", 212 for a center. That is a big body center right there. That is a kid you not want to mess with in the face-off circle. He's not a kid you want to mess with in either way. He's a very smart two-way player. His game has shown he's grown on it. He played in the Olympics as well. He had one goal and one assist for two points in five games. He's a guy that I think when I look at the Coyotes prospect for the future, I think that he generally wants to be in Arizona, which is a big thing. I know the running jokes don't want us to play here, and he was the complete opposite. He talked so highly of Arizona. He was quoted saying after he got off the phone talking to Bill Armstrong that he knew Arizona was the place he wanted to play. He told his agent, this is where I want to go, and he wants to be here, and that's good when you have young guys like that that want to come and play here, especially knowing what you know where they're going to be playing for the next few years, and you know it's going to be tough the next few years. He wants to still come play and be a part of that team and you know be a part of this team's future, and that's exciting for a fan base, and fans should be excited for him. I think he brings a lot to his game. I've watched him as play this year. As you know, he is not playing again the rest of this year. He has an ankle in, or a uh, leg injury right now. He is in a uh, boot, so he will not play again until he makes his NHL debut. He is currently out week to week last time I was last uh, reported, uh, I think a day ago. But, uh, Grandy, what do you think of Jack McBain? Do you think that the um, – hype around him that was kind of uh you know kind of generating in the last i say like maybe two weeks leading up to the trade deadline do you think he's worth that hype do you think that he can make a you know an immediate impact at the nhl level do you think he's you know could be a part of this team's future going forward oh yeah i think he was i think he'll definitely be a part of this team's future i think he'll make 
an almost immediate impact because he's got the NHL body already. He's not one of those guys who needs to come in to add weight and add strength. Mm-hmm. He'll come in and he'll play day one and he'll be able to throw his body around with the rest of them. Um, part of me really, really wants to see an all-terror line of Lawson Krauss, Jack McBain, and Jan Yannick. Just yeah, three be- guys that are not afraid to tear the heads off of anyone. Um, puts fear into the other team every time that line sits on the ice. <laughs> um, but he's got some good offensive game. I don't know if his offensive ceiling is as high as Nathan Smith's. That's kind of why I like Nathan Smith a little bit more. But the rest of his game, he's more well-rounded than him, for sure. He'll, like I said, he'll hit down the boards. He'll um, win those puck battles. He'll get to the front of the net. He'll do everything you want that power forward to do. Um, there's always a chance, of course, he proves me wrong, and he becomes a second-line center, but I think he's going to be pretty locked into that third-line center role. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I think what this is going to turn into is next year is going to be a race between, or just a feeling-out process between Hayton, Smith, and McBain for the second and third-line center roles, see who gets them, who takes them, who runs with them. And I think McBain is going to run with that third-line center. And because I say third-line center, don't think that doesn't mute the... Don't let that mute the excitement on him. In the modern NHL, you need three lines that can roll. You need three lines you can count on. You need to be at least three centers deep. Having a guy locked into that third-center role is absolutely huge for a team in a rebuild. Having this depth at center is absolutely huge for a team in a rebuild. It's something that we didn't have prior to this deadline, really. The only center is we had to really sit there, hope, and pray that Barrett Hayton's flashes become more consistent because that was it. That was our center depth right there. Mm -hmm. So these two trades have me really excited for the future. Really excited to watch these two kids and really looking forward to seeing that battle between those three next year. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, what do you, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, you know, um, you said perfectly there. I, you know, I kind of said everything I want to do. I just want to kind of re- reiterate what you said there at the end there that in the day, all these trades were made by Bill Armstrong for the future. These were all trades that were made to better set the team up for the future. He was, quote, saying this, that he made moves today to better themselves for the future. Doing that start through getting guys like Jack McBain, bringing in guys like Nathan Smith, you know, bringing, you know, signing Karel Vamelka back, you know, adding in uh, Sateri um, from what is called from Team Finland, from the Toronto Maple Leafs off waivers. They... These are all moves to the future. This is you're gonna have to, you know. We we've said it before on the podcast, Granny. You've said it for sure that it's gonna be hard for this team to generate, you know, wanting to get free agents to come here for the next few years. You've got to bring these guys in, and you gotta, you know, you gotta get these players on contracts that are already signed for the next few years to come in. And you know, you also at the same time need to trade for the future. And you know, the guys did that by getting a lot of picks back that helped for the future. And you know, bringing in the guys they brought in. You know, Brian Little may not you not be a part of the future, but, you know, he's a piece that, you know, we can at least have signed for the next few years that, you know, fills a void for us, for guys we will lose if we trade them or they, you know, they move on. But, um, yeah, Nathan Smith and, and Jack McBain are exactly uh, perfect examples of what Bill Armstrong wanted to do at the trade deadline, and that was set this team up for the future. But 
if we have nothing left left to say there about the trades, let's continue to talk about trades. Let's jump ship a little bit here on who was not traded on the Coyotes that shocked you. And we already know two guys that everybody wants to hear about. One of them was not a guaranteed, but it was a, you know, it was believed it could have maybe happened. That's Jacob Chikrin. And the one that shocked a lot of people who was actually believed to be a guy who was going to get moved considering he asked to get to be traded at the beginning of the season. Phil Kessel. Randy, I'm going to let you go first here. What Was there anybody else, first off, that surprised you that was not moved? And then secondly, what were your initial reactions? So, honestly, Chikrin, you know, you may not – be as shocked by it you may be a shot by it. i'm curious to know your you know your reactions here are but uh phil kessel what was your reaction on that as well what do you make of some of the guys that weren't moved well with phil kessel it was one of those things where we talked about it leading up to the deadline about how man there's just no noise on him there's noise on these other pieces there's just no noise on phil kessel and that proved to hold true on the actual day of the deadline from what Craig Morgan said, it sounds like really only the Predators and the Rangers were in on him. Both of them wanted us to retain salary. Um, and both of them were offering us less than what we got for uh, from the Capitals for Larson. So it made sense to retain on Larson to get the better asset than give up, than give up that better asset to just trade away Phil Kessel. I wish we could have uh, granted his request, but at the end of the day, and this is according to Elliot Friedman, this is according to Pierre Lebrun, this is according to most NHL insiders. It wasn't just his contract that was scaring teams off. It was also his Ironman streak, because they wanted the ability to have to be able to bench him if they wanted to. They didn't want to have to play him every game. So those two factors just combined to make him a very unattractive asset at the trade deadline. And it's unfortunate for him that he's not going to play on a winner this year. It's unfortunate he's not going to be in playoff hockey. But it's also one of those things where he hasn't done himself any favors this year. Despite his decent point production he's had this year. We've talked at length about how over our recent run of success, Kessel was a non-factor in all of that. He just wasn't contributing. He wasn't doing anything that led to wins, and it just showed. I love Kessel. I'm always going to be a Kessel fan. And I hope he goes on to succeed after he's done here next year. But at the end of the day, us not being able to move Kessel is just as much on him as it is on us. We just need to... I just hope, like I said, he goes on to succeed from here. Um, We weren't going to get much of an asset back from him. We weren't going to really do anything but acquiesce to his request if we moved him. So mm-hmm. that's really all I have to say on it. I hope he breaks the, what is it, 400 goals in a Coyotes uniform. I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, no matter what happens, his days in the U.S. uniform is numbered. He won't be back next year. I can all but guarantee that. 
Yep. So uh, that's really about it. What do you th- think, Haynes? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you kind of said everything there. Uh, Phil Kessel, it, it, the biggest issue was retaining salary on a contract. And, you know, after they pulled the deal on Larson and, and retained 50%, the Coyotes couldn't retain any more contra- uh, any more salary on anybody this year, as they have so far on three players this season with Darcy Kemper, OEL, and now Johan Larson. They can't re- couldn't retain more salary. And that was kind of the deal breaker for the teams that, you know, the very few teams that were asking about him was, it's a big cap hit. I know that, you know, Pittsburgh and Toronto took someone, some of it on those previous trades, but that, that was still $6 million of a cap hit that they had to take on. And that's a lot. And while Phil Kessel's not having a terrible year, he's n- not going to go and, you know, absolutely lie up the score sheet for you on any team he goes to. And that's no offense to him. He's just, he's not going to go lie up the score sheet for anybody and, you know, single-handedly dr- take you the playoffs and win you the cup. I mean, he's going to do some good. He's going to bring you offense and, you know, he's gotten better as defensive play uh, and, you know, the last year or so in Arizona, but uh, he wasn't someone that a team was looking at saying, he, you know, he's the me- missing piece to a cup run and all that. But, you know, I, I love Phil Kessel. He's a great guy. Um, I do agree with you, Grandy. I think his Ironman streak really did limit a lot of teams from wanting to trade from him too, because, they don't want to ruin the Ironman streak of his, but they don't necessarily want to play him every night. So, and that's kind of the situation with like Keith Yandel. I know there was times that like the Flyers thought about benching him, but you know it was kind of hard to do that when you know he was so close to breaking the Ironman streak, which he did do. So, you know, it's 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 a it's a win win in this in this situation. It's a win in the fact that we at least get to keep focus for the rest of the year. He still does bring offense to this team. He does still help this team out. But it's also a win because it allows us to maybe explore more possibilities of moving him during the offseason than we would have had maybe the trade deadline. Maybe more teams come calling during the offseason. But, um, you know, it, it, he was a shocker to see get moved, but there's a lot of reasons why it didn't happen. And, and then they really didn't surprise me. But um, let's, before we jump into our final topic of the night, let's talk about the one that everybody wants to know. Were we shocked that Jacob Chicken was not moved to the trade deadline? I will say straight up, no, I was not surprised. I think the Coyotes' asking point was very, very high. We saw what guys were going for in his range, and if the Coyotes were asking for more than that, I can see why teams didn't trade. I know that there's teams that gave up a lot for some players, but uh, honestly, the asking price must have been a lot more astronomical than we thought it was if no one was willing to uh, you know, foot the bill over for that one. But, uh, Granny, real quick. Were you shocked at all that Jacob Chickren wasn't moved to the trade deadline? Do you still think maybe he does get moved to the trade deadline? We do know real fast, I have to send that for people that don't follow PHNX Sports or PHNX Coyotes. I know you'll probably throw this in your granny. Um, Craig Morgan actually uh, didn't outright say it, but he had hinted at Jacob Chickren uh, kind of not really saying it, but kind of, you know, hinting at the fact that he doesn't really want to be in Arizona anymore. And so whether the Coyotes want to move at this point now, it doesn't seem like he really wants to be here for the future. But, uh, Grandy, I'll let you go in here first, or I'll let you go in here, and just what do you think of the whole ordeal with Jacob Chikrin? Uh Do you think now that we've kind of heard what's happened with PHNX, what came out of that, do you think it's more than likely now that he's getting moved to the de- uh, offseason? Uh, and were you shocked at all that he wasn't moved to the trade deadline? I'm not shocked he wasn't moved at the trade deadline. I'm shocked that some of these teams that, paid these prices for a rental mm-hmm. would step up their offers a little bit more just to get chicken for the long term. Yep. But that's on that's on them. But I'm not shocked he wasn't moved at the deadline because at the end of the day we're gonna have more teams that can go after him at the draft. 
The Red Wings might be interested. The Senators might be interested. The Kings, the Ducks. There is a whole laundry list of teams that aren't going to make the playoffs that made no sense to trade for him now, but could make a serious run at him in at the draft because they're trying to short circuit their rebuild. They're trying to jumpstart their rebuild that's already been going for three or four years. So it's always made sense to trade him at the draft for that reason. I thought there was a time where I thought he might move, but like I said, I'm glad he didn't if nobody was willing to pay those prices. I'd rather not I'd rather see him play for the Coyotes than trade him for less than what he's worth. And exactly. that is premium assets. As for the rest of it, I mean, I'd be shocked at this point if Chikrin is a coyote at the start of next year. Yeah. I think the noise is too real. I think Craig Morgan, who is extremely in tune and knows the team, wouldn't be saying stuff like this if he didn't have very strong suspicions of it. Yeah, and this is a trade that can help kickstart our rebuild. It can give us enough assets and enough pieces to really be successful. Because this is still our first year of our rebuild. I know it doesn't feel like it, but this really is the first year of our rebuild. Mm-hmm. We have a couple more years of this ahead. Yeah. And getting a bunch of assets for one player is one of the best ways to do that. And Chikrin can be. Like what Carlson was for the Senators, where trading Eric Carlson gave them most of their assets they have now. Their first-line center is there because they got Carlson traded. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a fan, that's going to kill me to see him go. Yep. It's going to hurt. He is my lock screen right now. Um. He was my favorite player at the start of the year, even over Keller, who, as you all know, I've defended to death and back. But if he doesn't want to be here, if he doesn't want to sit through the rebuild, that's fine. He doesn't have to. Mm -hmm. We can trade him, we can move on, and we can start our own way. Yep. That's really all I have to say on it right now. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to add two things in there real fast before we go. And, you know, in addition to, you know, this is uh, is going to be a trade that hurts fans a lot. Jacob Chikrin is, uh, last year I would have told you he was the future captain. Everybody would have thought it coming into the season. And now everybody believes it's, you know, Jacob Chikrin's team, or it's Clay Keller's team going forward. And why it would it would hurt to lose him as young as he is, he's, he's only 23. He's only 23 years old. He's an insanely great defenseman who's even getting, who's getting better and better with age and experience. And losing a guy like that, is such a blow to this team because you would think they would want to build around him. But I mean, we have to take into effect, like you said, Granny, a, a trade for him would essentially take a year off the rebuild. The haul you'd be getting for a guy like this would take a year off your rebuild. And also fact here that, you know, people might want to get mad at him after hearing PHNX Coyotes saying, you know, he doesn't want to be here. Well, you know, it, it may be hard for him. It's, it, it, I mean, if I were a player and all season, all I'm hearing is reports of, 
oh, well, the team's fielding offers on me. The team's getting calls on me. The team's fielding offers, even though they, you know, they talked about how at the beginning of the season they want to build around me and these young guys. Now they're all talking about, you know, I would become disinterested playing there too. I would, you know, kind of well, feel resented towards, I mean, it's not necessarily that, but I mean, you know, that does weigh on some players. I know he was told to tune it out and he did tune it out, but you know, when it when the rumors grow louder and you hear it more and more on a daily basis, and even though your owner's telling you and your GM's telling you, hey, we're not going to trade you, but we're going to listen to all the offers we can, and you know we don't want to move you, but if we find the right offer, we are going to move you. You know, some players do get to that point where it's just like, well, you know, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather it do happen. I get moved. Well, and even with that, because I think there's a large chance that he wanted to be moved when these rumors started. Yep. Because he doesn't go from being a franchise cornerstone to, oh, we're accepting offers on him yeah. because of a month and a half of bad play. Yeah. I think he kind of let his intentions know that he wasn't happy here. And I could see a lot of that being because we traded away his best friend of already. We traded yeah. away another good friend, Garland. Then after all the trade noise, we trade away his defensive partner, Laboshkin. Yep. Um, and then we let his mentor walk away and Alex Goligoski, who was a big guy last year and why Jacob Chicken was so successful last season was because of how well of that of that learning and experience that he was getting from Alex Goligoski. And then yeah, you so let OEL walk away and then all of a sudden the pressure weighs in of all of a sudden you go from, you know, team second, third defense on the team to now you're the number one guy. Yeah, it all eyes are on you. Everybody's expecting you to field all the questions that you know OEL did. That all these other guys field. Now it's you, and that's a lot on a guy at twenty three years old. Yeah, I don't blame him at all if he is does want to leave at all. Um, yeah. it would be hard to sit through a rebuild. It would be hard to lose a lot of your prime to a rebuild. Exactly. And that's exactly what we'd be asking him to do. Ryan O'Reilly is a perfect example of that with the Buffalo Sabres in his prime. And Jack Eichel is that same way right now. Was the, you know, Ryan O'Reilly didn't, you know, public came out and said, I don't want to lose. I, you know, I'm in, I'm young in my career. I don't want to spend, you know, the, the prime of my career, you know, in a rebuild and all that. And he asked me, Trey went to St. Louis and now he's enjoying the best success of his life. And, you know, Jack Eichel was one of those guys who eventually got to him where he was, I can't do this. You know, I'm going to waste the best years of my career if this team doesn't do anything to, you know, help and fix what's going on here. Yeah, it's just, it's a rough situation. I don't hold, I don't hold him to blame. I don't hold Bill Armstrong to blame. I don't, there's no bad guys in this situation. There just no. isn't. No, no, Everyone I needs to do what's best for themselves. Bill Armstrong is what's doing best for the team in its long-term future. Chickering is doing what's best for himself. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing. Nope. And I wish him the best of luck. If you know, if he's moved, I will support him no matter where he goes. And I wish him the best of luck because he's a he's such a nice guy. He's such a team player, team first guy, and you know he he is a great teammate. And we've seen that from the friendships he's built. And you know he's a passionate guy. And wherever he does go, if he does get moved, it, you know, I wish him the best. And I, you know, I hope that he wins the Stanley cup and, you know, he has a successful career wherever he goes. Yep. Absolutely. But Granny, before we go into our last topic, was there any other players you want to hit on that you were surprised were not moved at the trade deadline? No, I think we talked about it in a, po- in a podcast leading up to it, that it just was going to be a quiet deadline. Yep. 
We made the second most trades in the league, but it was a quiet deadline. We didn't move out much. We only moved out a guy we actually debated having in our honorable mentions, but decided to pull him from that podcast last second in uh, uh, Wedgwood. Yep. But, uh, and then Larson. Those are the only two guys we actually moved out from the roster. Yep. So it's kind of what we expected. We weren't going to lose much from the actual roster. We didn't lose much from the actual roster. And nope. but we gained two huge pieces for our future. I am I would grade this a very good B. Um maybe a B plus. I'd give it an A if we had traded Tessel. And it's not Bill Armstrong's fault we didn't. Yeah. But at the same time that is going to weigh over this trade deadline. I agree. I agree. And, you know, I, I don't really have anybody to add there. I think you kind of, you know, I think the team really didn't have as many. I mean, we also got to remember they already made some trades prior to that. Ryan Dezing was a guy that people thought was going to be traded. He was traded earlier before the trade deadline. Ilya Bushkin was traded before the trade deadline. So the guys had already made some moves before the trade deadline. So, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, I mean, you saw the roster. There wasn't really many guys that made people thought there was that were going to get moved. A lot of these guys are in Arizona that aren't young guys are aging veterans who are here to try to reinvent their career. And that's exactly what we, we got with aging veterans who are here to, you know, reinvent their career. So, um, yeah, that's all about I want to say there. So we'll get into the final topic of tonight's pod, and that is winners, losers, and oddities of the trade deadline. And that can include anybody. So it doesn't have to necessarily be the Coyotes. It can be – uh, winners, as in winner teams, losing teams of the trade deadline. Uh, the oddities can be, honestly, like what trades were the weirdest. And, you know, winners and losers can also be w- biggest win in terms of a trade and biggest loss in a trade. So, Grandy, I'm going to let you go first here. Who are your winners, losers, and oddities from the 2022 NHL trade deadline? So, my biggest winner to me didn't actually make a deadline move. They made two trades in the days leading up to it. But I think the Calgary Flames are the big winners of the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Adding Tyler to Foley a full month before the trade deadline, which allows him to mesh into their top six and just fit in phenomenally well there with a huge ad. And then they added one of the better third liners in the league in Carl Yankrook. The guy is the guy fits what you want in a playoff third line to a team. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. Yeah, so, you know, going into losers there, you know, with Seattle being my winners there, I think the uh, biggest losers of the trade deadline, in my opinion, were actually two teams. And I think it's Edmonton and Toronto for one of the biggest reasons. And that was both teams needed goaltending, and neither team made any sort of moves for goalies besides Toronto picking up Saitiri and then obviously the Coyotes taking him immediately when he went on waivers. But other than that, Neither team made a goalie move, which is their two biggest, weakest areas on their team. And neither team made a move, which has been such a talk of post-trade deadline, is how they somehow went the whole trade deadline and made some moves here and there, but didn't somehow seem to be able to make one goaltending move. And that was... What were you going to say? That's so baffling to me when Wedgwood went for a third-round pick, essentially. Yeah. 
they could have given up a third round pick and gotten a guy with a nine thirty save percentage from since January first. Exactly. Like, oh. Anyway, exactly. sorry to interrupt. No, no, you're good. But um, yeah, my biggest loser or my biggest oddly here, and it's the trade. I'm surprised you didn't say it, so I'm gonna be the one to say it. It's the one that everybody, it, the Evgeny Dadanov trade was the biggest oddity of the whole draft. Essentially, the blame has been going back and forth on both sides of who's the blame here in this trade. Um, the league is saying that it's Ottawa's the blame here, but I'm also hearing that it's Vegas's uh, fault here for not doing a little more research into you know getting a revised list or making sure if there was a list sent over. But essentially, for people that have been living under a rock, Evgeny Dadanov was traded from the... Um, Las Vegas Golden or the Vegas Golden Knights to the Anaheim Ducks in the final hours of the trade deadline. Well, turns out Evgeny Dadanov had the Anaheim Ducks on his no trade list of teams, and uh, from what I picked up, he was his teams on his list were teams that were the tax pay was the highest. So I, as far as I know, all the Canadian teams were were on that list, and I believe all three California teams were on that list. Um, we don't know for sure if that's the case, but we do know that Anaheim was on that list. Um, Ottawa apparently did not send an updated list when they originally traded him to Vegas. Um, did not send the list over with them of teams that he did not want to be traded to. So when the trade came around, trade deadline, Vegas did not know what to do in this situation. They did not have a list. So as far as they knew, if he was free game to go to any team in the league, they traded him to Anaheim. Um, after about two days of the league trying to figure out what they were going to do there, they just the other day announced that the trade is was voided. Uh, Dadnov is free to go back to Vegas. He actually scored a game winner overtime today, which is hilarious. But um, he's back playing in Vegas. His situation is kind of weird for fans to understand. Is he is able to be traded still? The league is allowing them to move him still if he wants to be traded. But if he is traded, no matter who he goes to, whether they're a playoff team or not, if he is traded to another team. He must sit out the rest of the year and cannot play against the beginning of next season. So expect a lot of teams to be, uh, you know, inquiring about him. Um, the Coyotes, I know, have some interest in it. Uh, Vegas is going to have to send some picks back in whatever trade that happens because no team is going to be giving picks for a guy who's not going to be playing for the rest of the season. So expect whoever trades for him to be getting a good deal in return in terms of how many, you know, picks and prospects or whatever they get in return for it. But, um, yeah, that was the biggest oddity there. Um, I feel terrible for Dadnov. That's got to be absolutely horrible having to, uh, you know, get traded to a team you didn't want to play for and then say, just kidding, you're going back to the team that didn't want you in the first place. Um, couldn't imagine what he's going through. Um, I wish him the best. Honestly, I don't, you know, I don't, that, that sucks. I mean, it really does. It, I couldn't imagine what it's like uh, playing uh, in a situation like that right now for a team that uh, – didn't seem to want you and they try to move him but um real quick i do want to make a couple comments on this one i get why everybody's trying to say it's ottawa's fault but i knew about the trade i knew he had a no trade clause yeah everybody can't tell me it's ottawa's fault that vegas didn't find out his no trade list this is simply vegas hoping he'd go along with this because they didn't want to find out the team they were trading him to had him on their list. The other thing I wanted to say real quick was I was listening to a podcast today and Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick were making it sound like mm-hmm. uh, we're making it sound like that he would be going for a first round pick. 
So the asking price to acquire him would be Vegas would have to send a first-round pick with him to get it done. That is something that if the Coyotes are not on his no-trade list, yep. we would be very much could be very much in on. So, but yeah, that's all I wanted to make the comments on with it. No, you know, that, that's a good one there. Um, yeah, I mean, you kind of said everything you want there. We kind of all said what we wanted here. I think we've uh, we've kind of hit on everything tonight. You know, we, we've touched a little bit on everything with the trade deadline, the winners, losers. Uh, you know, the four Panthers could have been in that winner situation. You know, adding Claude Giroux is, and Ben Chariot, um, big, big, big move for that team. Uh, I think – Honestly, being biased here, I think Jacob Chicken would have been a better move than defenseman. He would have, but I mean, nevertheless, adding those two guys do help them make a deeper playoff run, most likely. But um, other than that, Grandy, I think we are done, unless you have anything else you want to add here. Nope. I'm all good to go. Well, from all of you at home, thank you so much for listening to, I think this is episode three now of... um. Yotes Bites, the sub-series of the Trippin' Yotes podcast. I am, uh, once again, I am Haynes Evans. With me is Grandy. We appreciate y'all tuning in. We hope to be back hopefully again soon with another Yotes Bites episode. We don't know yet, but um, thank you to everyone for tuning in and listening to us. Grandy, you have any final words you want to say? Uh, just thank you all for listening. Thank you all for the support. We wouldn't be doing this without you guys. So, uh, yeah, we appreciate everything you guys do. Thank you all. Don't forget to grade us five stars. And good night. Good night. Y'all have a good one. We'll see you next time.